Hi, welcome to Talk Racing to Me with Naomi. This time coming to you from sunny Florida. I know everyone's saying it's cold in Florida, but when you compare it to coming from the Maryland, D.C., Northern Virginia area where we've had frosty temperatures the entire time, especially throughout the day, then whatever they consider cold here is still pretty balmy and lovely to me. So very, very happy to be here. Got a big show in store for you, a multitude of different guests uh, in the lead up to the Pegasus World Cup. Very proud uh, to be joined by all these experts, including the first one to kick it off will be Dr. Dion Benson, who's the Chief Veterinary Officer for First Racing. She'll be outlining safety procedures and race day pro protocols which of course I think is something everyone needs to know about especially when you're a fan of the sport when you're playing the sport etc and Paul Williams uh, will be coming on to join us uh, and talk about betting and technology advances as well as the difference between some of the first apps and some of the innovative uh, approaches as well as tools that are at your fingertips and then we got a, a bit more of a feel-good angle here. Greg Harbert and Raymond Daniels, who founded Living the Dream Racing and Stables and are also heading up the Ed Brown Society, are talking about uh, their efforts to get minorities involved in racing and give them the opportunity to gain work experience. And then we finish things off with uh, Jimmy Vargas, who'll be uh, outlining all the dining, the music, everything that's going on at Pegasus, so that even though you can't make it, it will feel like you were there. And perhaps it will entice you uh, to purchase your tickets for next year. Without further ado, let's go to our first guest. Dr. Benson, I'm so glad I've had a chance, or I have the chance to sit down with you. I know you're incredibly busy. I saw you this morning at the track. How is everything going so far in the lead up to the Pegasus World Cup? So far, it's been busy, but very good. Well, that's obviously glad to hear that. You are the chief veterinary officer for First Racing, meaning that you're responsible for directing you know, all the veterinary safety and welfare practices and protocols with a high profile race and race day coming up. What kind of protocols are, are put in place to try and mitigate possible race day injuries for those thoroughbreds competing? Well, there are a few things we do. Um, I mean, really, our work starts as soon as the first list comes out for the nominees. Um, you know, we have our plan in place and we change it every year, but our real work starts when we get that first list of nominees and we start sending out and arranging for out of competition testing to be done, which can be quite extensive because when you're talking about horses coming from three or four different states in three or four different training facilities around California or around Florida, it can be a lot of, of coordination and, and, and uh, traveling for both myself and the vets that work for the Stronic group, as well as some of the other regulatory vets across the country who help us out. Um, so that's really where it starts. And we're, we're uh, trying to make sure that horses have no inappropriate substances in their, in their uh, bodies when they're training up to the race or racing, and then also kind of monitor the, uh, any therapeutic medications that they're, that they're uh, receiving to make sure so they won't be affecting out? the horse at race time. Yeah, Sorry, how far ahead. out do you start doing doing that? Like how many weeks before the race do you kind of start monitoring these horses? Yeah, we like to start getting information starting about two weeks out. 
Um, so that's the first time we'll start out of competition testing and we don't really let anyone know when we're go going to come see them. We might let them know a day ahead of time, um, that we'll be there to test their horses. Uh, but we, we finished the last set of horses, uh, I believe on Sunday. So those horses will, those samples have already been shipped to the laboratory in California and we should have results prior to race time. And they test everything from... Uh, EPO, growth hormones, um, anabolic steroids, clenbuterol, any of those were, are on the list of things that we test for. That kind of ties in a little bit with a new sort of partnership that has come up, Equine Meta Records, who will be digitalizing the veterinary records for this year's Pegasus World Cup contenders. What does that entail and how does that help you guys? Yeah, so it's actually going to be for all three of the Pegasus races, so the Pegasus World Cup, the World Cup turf, and the Pegasus fillies and mares. And what that requires is that the veterinarians, and, and once the horses are um, in the starting box, the veterinary, or in the entry box, the horses have to, uh, the veterinarians for the horses have to submit records um, going back to two weeks prior to the race day. Um, it's just to give us information about what the horses have received as far as any medications or treatments. Um, and it, the, the digital format really allows us to have a search. We can search by horse. We can search by medication. We can search by trainer. And it allows us to understand better in context our, um, our pre-race and, and exams leading up to race day. Um, oftentimes, you know, you want to know why something may look different than a previous exam. And if, for example, a horse has had a joint injected, they may not have a fusion this time where they did last time. And so that's good information. So we have some understanding of why there is a change. And how does this process this year with the digitalization of those records differ from the years past? Yeah. So, I mean, I think in two ways. First of all, we have a, a more accessible and searchable database of information. So I can type in a horse, for example, Nick's Go. And if I want to see everything that's happened with Nick's Go in the two weeks prior to racing, I have that information. The other thing is because we have someone whose sole focus is tracking down the records for these horses, things don't fall through the cracks. We used to get kind of a haphazard list of, of papers and we would have to shuffle through them and make sure we had everyone and, you know, humans being who they are, we're not perfect and we certainly can, can miss things. But because there is one person who is focused on making sure every treatment for these horses goes into a database, it makes it much more efficient and effective. It certainly must does indeed speed up the process. Uh, when you're talking about um, two weeks out at a competition testing, what is done in the days leading up to the big race in terms of checking these horses and making sure they're ready to go? Yeah. So prior to entry, we've actually this year, something new, we're requiring the private veterinarians who work with the horses. So the horses with that are coming from California, the horses that are coming from uh, Louisiana, their private veterinarian has to sign off on the exam for those horses to that they believe that the horse is sound and ready to race. So because they have the most information about the horse, they're seeing the horse every day, they're treating the horses on a regular basis, they are in the best position to help us understand kind of whether they believe the horse is, is adequately um, 
you know, in adequate shape to race. And that's for all of the horses that race on Saturday, not just the big three races. Um, but additionally, the horses that, that are in all of the races, um, we will be at the training facilities in uh, southern Florida. So that includes not only Palm Meadows and um, Gulfstream Park where that we own, but also Payson Park and Palm Beach Downs um, that are privately owned to watch the horses under saddle this week. Uh, and we will also examine every horse that is in one of the big three races on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, every horse gets an exam on Saturday that races Saturday, but the Pegasus and Pegasus World Cup turf and fillies and mares, those horses get examined Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Well, they get examined all three days, every day. Yes, exactly. I, I actually, uh, we have a, a surgeon from Rudin Riddle in Lexington come in and he and I actually go around and examine all the horses. We both palpate their legs, flex their joints, watch them jog. If we have um, additional questions, concerns, we can ask for diagnostics. We've in the past asked for radiographs of horses, um, you know, and that's certainly led to some some scratching scratches of horses in in previous Pegasuses. Um, and so, you know, we definitely are, are try to be as thorough as we possibly can be um, based on the, the time that we do have. Yeah, wow, that sounds incredible. And you were mentioning that you're also discussing it with the private veterinarians. How does that in a way help perhaps share some of that professional expertise and knowledge of the runners? Well, I mean, certainly um, the, the private veterinarians have so much more familiarity with their clients. Not only do they know how the horse has been training, if there have been any concerns about the horse, if they've had to do any diagnostics on the horse, you know, they have all that wealth of information at their fingertips, which even if we had all of that, those records would, for the, the size of, of num and number of horses and size of fields that we have on Saturday would be almost impossible for us to get through. Um, especially when you got entries on, and, you know, you, you, you figure out your field on Tuesday and you have to know everything about that horse by Saturday morning um, and really by Thursday if we're looking at them earlier. Um, so allowing the, the private vet the opportunity to participate and with all that knowledge and familiarity that they have with the horse is a great benefit. And, you know, we've done this for a while in California and we've actually, you know, having talked to some of the vets, there are horses that don't make it to us. In other words, they don't get entered because the private vet is not comfortable. So it's a, a great first gatekeeper on the fields. Yeah, that certainly sounds like at least having someone that has that prior knowledge of the horse say, you know what, I'm not 100% certain this is what we should be doing is a great way of protecting everyone, including, of course, the thoroughbreds and the connections that are involved. Looking at race day procedures, what mm -hmm. kind of sequence of events could be expected if there's to be a late scratch before or perhaps even in the gate? Yeah, so we have one veterinarian who is responsible for making decisions at the gate. It's our senior association veterinarian, Dr. Carlos Aponte. He's been with the, the uh, Gulfstream Park and first racing for almost two years. And so when, if anything happens at the gate, you know, one of our, our kind of guiding principles is we make decisions very slowly. 
you know, it's better to back out the whole field, look at the horse, talk to people, find out what happened, um, and make a decision whether the horse is, is, should be allowed to run than to make decisions quickly and make the wrong decisions. So, you know, I feel very comfortable with him and very confident that he is comfortable taking his time to make the right decision, even if it means post time is delayed a couple of minutes. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Making sure that, you know, you're, you're looking at what actually happened, then going over, of course, the horse. And and like you said, taking your time is probably key to events here, but I'm glad to hear that, that, that there's someone in charge that says, you know, this is what we're going to do to make sure that everything is going in the right way to ensure that, I think we were talking about this before, rather take your time and make the right decision than do it hastily and perhaps overlook something, right? Exactly. We we try to make most of our decisions slowly because it, it I find we end up making better decisions if we take the time to pause and figure out exactly what is going on, get all the information we can, and then make a very informed decision. Yeah. Now, over the last couple of racing seasons, of course, there have been a fair few challenges in relation to the safety of horses training and racing on some of the tracks that you work at. What kind of changes have been implemented to ensure this safe training and racing environment? Yeah. So, I mean, I think our our, uh, flagship for this is certainly uh, California and the things that we've implemented there that, you know, we're we're working to move to all of our tracks and, and actually to all of racing. Uh, you know, one of the things that I think we do very well um, is to examine horses that are training at our tracks. So for example, if a horse is training, it wants to work at it out in California, they actually have to sign up with the racing office 48 hours ahead of time. And that allows us to determine kind of look at their PPs, see what whether they have any significant risk factors, things like horses that have been eased or that have been on the vets list, horses that have had significant breaks. You know, there are there are epidemiological factors that we know are make a horse more or less likely to have um, a catastrophic breakdown. Horses that didn't start until after they were four years old for their first time. So, I mean, we then look at that and then our vets go out the morning before a work and they take a sample of between 30 and 40 horses off of a list that is narrowed down from probably 100 to 60. And then they take 30 to 40 of those horses. And they actually do physical exams. And that allows us a ton of information about the horses. But it allows us also to make a decision. The more opportunities we have for intervention, the better we do by the horses. Because if, if we see something we don't like, we can talk to the private vet. You know, it's, and it's not the stress of race day. We can say, you know, we need some more information. We need diagnostics. We need a PET scan. We need a bone scan. Um, you know, it, it really makes for very good decision making. But I'm assuming that with the amount of horses training on, that, on those variety of tracks, working in the mornings, you must have quite a large team to help you out to have a look at all those horses yeah well so for example in california um we have uh, five veterinarians who work between three and five days a week um actually four and five days a week usually and so you know we have we cover every hour of training at in just southern and that's just santa anita we have an additional two veterinarians at san luis rey and three veterinarians at uh, 
uh, Golden Gate Field. So yes, it is it is a big team, but they're all very good at their jobs. Um, here we have another, I think, eight or nine veterinarians uh, between Paul Meadows and uh, Gulfstream Park. So it really gets to be a large um, team effort. So when did this start? Because I know that it's relatively new that uh, veterinarians have started to really actively look at all these horses even before working. Of course, I wholeheartedly support that initiative. I think it's absolutely wonderful that you guys are so on top of things. Uh, when did that kind of change come about? Um, so we started this in, actually, even before I started with the company. We, we In March of 2019, we started requiring um, horses to be signed up for exams. And once I started in my position, one of the, the main jobs I had was building a team. Um, I will tell you, good equine vets are extremely hard to find. Um, and so it, it took a while. Like we're, we're still in some places trying to, to build up our team. But, um, you know, once we got the team in place, as we went to late 2019, we started doing the exams. And it's interesting because I've been um, looking at, as we were talking earlier, I was looking at the exams and how many we've done in Southern California. And if I look at just through the end of 2021, um, we've done over 50, or excuse me, over a uh, 15,000 exams um, of, Whoa. yeah, a total of about 5,300 different horses. So, you know, at one point or another, if a horse stays at Santa Anita long enough, it will be examined um, out of competition. That has nothing to do with race. And this is all, you know, between racing. If we And we also watch the track constantly at all of our facilities. Um, during training, which allows us to have uh, a lot of information about how the horses look under saddle. And how have the horsemen and women been receiving sort of this, you know, heightened level of testing? So I think just like or anything examining else, is a better word for yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So it, just like anything else, I think a, a new, any new process is a little scary. Um, I think that it's a great credit to the vets that we have in place that as they have gone around and worked with the trainers, there is a greater understanding. And it doesn't necessarily mean just because the vet shows up, your horse is going on a vet's list or, you know, th there's a big problem. Sometimes it's just the horse looks odd on the track and we want to take another look. And the worst thing you're getting is a, a free vet exam on your horse. Um, you know, so I, I think as they have understood how uh, you know, the, the, the goal of the vets is really to help and how well they're working with the private vets. Um, I think that the acceptance and, and the respect has gotten to be very great. Um, you know, it's interesting because in some cases we've even had private vets who will come to us and say, you know, I'm having a little hard time getting this trainer to do these radiographs or this bone scan. Can you help me out? And, you know, the next thing you know, we're all just in the barn checking a horse and we hate say, hey, you know, this horse can't train until it has X, Y, or Z. So we can be the bad guy because we don't have to rely on that trainer for income. And right. we get we get the right thing done by the horse. And it, it happens very infrequently. The vast majority of the trainers are very willing 
to to do the diagnostics that are needed. But every once in a while, it's a help to kind of have have a reminder that, you know, we got to do the right thing here. Yeah, I'm very glad to hear that, that, of course, everyone, you know, everyone's seen the fact that we're all working towards a common goal, and that is to increase the safety on race day, before race day, during training for all the thoroughbreds that are in our care and to make sure that, hence, we're ensuring the longevity of you know, all these thoroughbreds as well as the sport for, for years to come. So, Dr. Benson, thank you so much. I'm so glad to have gotten some insight on the procedures, the, the examinations, the testing, and even, you know, race day procedure as well. And of course, I wish you best of luck throughout the next couple of busy days for you. Thank you so very much. I never tire of listening to Dr. Benson. You know, her tireless efforts to increase the health and safety of all thoroughbred has to be promoted and of course the insight that she's willing to share as well really contributes to all of us racing fans industry participants really understanding uh, all the efforts that are of course involved with making sure that we can host uh, safe racing on a day-to-day basis on to our next guest My pleasure to introduce Paul Williams, Chief Executive Officer, First Technology. Paul, wonderful that you can join me here in the lead up uh, to the Pegasus World Cup. Of course, a big day, a big week for the Strana Group. Uh, How has everything been going thus far? Yeah, thanks, Naomi. It's great to be here. Um, It's it's a chaotic week, but uh, things are looking good. Uh, It looks like the weather's going to be great for us this year, uh, if not a little on the cold side, but that's great for the runners. Um, so it's coming together nicely. We're expecting a big turnout. I think we're almost fully sold out on our tickets. The tech is prepped. We've got a bunch of new feature sets that I want to talk to you about, but um, we're ready to go. Wonderful. Yeah, no, I'm very excited to hear what is going to be on offer in terms of, you know, the uh, technological side of the Astronaut Group, perhaps something that, you know, isn't as much promoted when you look at the Pegasus, because of course the entertainment and then the top class horse racing action is kind of the first thing people think of. So Let's dive into that. Which platforms are available for people to wager on the Pegasus World Cup races with? I know that the Strana Group has, you know, a couple different opportunities there. Yeah. So, so first bet is the uh, it's the official app of the of the Pegasus World Cup. Um, we have uh, uh, several brands: First Bet, Express Bet, and and to the lesser extent, or well known Bet Mix. And they they all use single sign on, so you can you know, sign up for one of them and then you have a shared wallet and access to all of the products. Um, and they're really designed to take you through the ecosystem with, you know, first bet being very much the introductory app. It's simplified. Um, this year we actually have uh, a guided wager feature being enabled, which basically is very linear and it takes, if you need help wagering, it, it will walk you through, you know, what, what the aspects of a horse might be that you might be interested that might differentiate it from the other runners in the field. And it will walk you all the way to the wager types and then help you get your very first bet down. So we're very excited about that because, you know, we have an, we have an appreciation that the experience for racing, if you've never been in the space is pretty tough. Um, So I think that's a bit of a game changer. And then as you evolve, you know, the, the express bet app is very much designed to, uh, be a website and a mobile app that's more complex and then all the way up to our betmix app which is more around almost algorithmic trading it allows you to position and look at the field and all of the all of the runners as a as a cohort of uh, wagering angles and then get maximum value on your return so there's really something for everyone 
Um, but if you're the newbie coming for your first time, you know, it's a, it's a, and you're on site and it's a great experience, then, you know, first bet's probably the app for you, um, given it gives you a bunch of handicapping and skills to help you kind of walk through that very first wager. Yeah, I've, I've had a look at, well, at least first bet express, but I use express bet myself. So I'll ask you about uh, bet mix in a little bit, because I definitely have some interest in, in hearing about that side of things, you know, a little bit more technological. But as you highlight, first bet seems like the go to for people that never place the wager really sort of simplifies it. Whereas express bet, I guess, is kind of more for people that know what they're doing and want to be able to get their wages on quickly, seamlessly with, you know, real-time information coming through at all times. So those are kind of different apps that are tailored towards different, I guess, audiences, right? Wage Different uh, betters. Are there any other differences in terms of the apps between them uh, as well as possibly other ADWs? Because, of course, we have, you know, plenty of competition in the market. Yeah, yeah there's, some, there's some very good competition, you know, and, and I'm, I'm kind of excited with, with, with the evolution of sports wagering, you know, across America, it's really put a, a focus point on, a, on our technology stacks um, and our industry. And that's allowed all of us to really evolve and, and start to bring better class and best of breed applications to our space. Um, you know, our, I think our differentiators are, particularly for first bet, you know, we have a, a very smart AI algorithm in, in there that allows you to pick various attributions of the horse the jockey you know their their historical performances pick which ones of those you think are most meaningful and then it will calculate based on what you've picked the statistical probabilities of your horse or the horse's uh, ability to win place and show um so that allows you to start to think about value and i'll give you a very simple example if you picked say a horse that had a really good winning record um, maybe it was the fastest, you know, it had the fastest speed. And then you picked a, a jockey that had won its last three races, for instance, he won or she had won our last three races. It would calculate a percentage for you. And, and let's say the horse one was 50% likely to win. Um, and the odds on that horse were, say, three to one. Then there's clearly uh, value there between um, the ability for you to, to wager and the ability for you to win money versus the statistical odds. Um, and I'll pause there. Oh, I was just looking. I saw server connect. I was like, oh no, did you see that yeah, as well? I thought I, I lost you, but maybe I haven't. No, so. I heard you. I heard you very clearly. So I'll, I'll check if it cuts out anywhere and I'll make, a, I'll make a little note to make sure to go back and, and have a no look. Problem. But if you want to kind of just take it again from maybe a couple sentences before that came up. Now, I know you were mentioning... I think is that you were mentioning let's say the the odds are three to one yeah. and the algorithm is saying actually it's got 50 percent chance so there is you know a wager angle there that you know clearly mathematically works yeah yeah sure so so yeah i mean first bet is designed to, to to give you statistical probabilities that then allow you to see the market price versus value so if you picked a bunch of attribution for a horse and say it was showing you was 50% likely to win, maybe 65% likely to, to place, and maybe even 80% likely to show. Um, and the odds on that horse were somewhere between, say, three to one to five to one. There's clearly value there, you know, statistically versus the price. Um, so that allows you just to not worry so much about, you know, is a strong favorite a strong favorite or is a long shot you know, got any chance at all, it starts to allow you to think statistically from a probability perspective, you know, 
how much of a long shot is it based on you know, historical performance? And and we found, you know, in some of our surveys that really helps the newbie understand more of the nuances of the market price because it can be quite daunting, right? You, you see a bunch of rate horses that you don't know. You're, you know, you obviously are looking for value when you want to wager. Everybody wants to hit big. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't do it. But it, when when prices are moving around because of the nature of the parimutuel pools, like you, you need some information to help you very quickly determine, you know, statistically what is the right the right horse for you. And um, I think First Bet does a real differentiator in doing that. And it, you can do it on every race during the day. Um, you can set up your own default attribution of factors that you care about, and it will always show you those percentages. Or you can change them ad hoc. Um, and we see a lot of engagement there. And then this year for the newbie, because, you know, again, that even factoring a horse can be quite daunting, frankly. Uh, we built a very linear experience where we take you through question by question, screen by screen, um, all the way up to your first wager. And that that is very much more for a newbie because, uh, you know, an experienced wager like your good self um, wants to get straight into the action. Right. So it's as minimal clicks as possible. But we're now we have this nice option, whereas if it is all a little over daunting and a little overwhelming for you, you can click on the little help button in the top left hand corner and it will start to delineate the flow in a question answer for you and uh, take you towards the end. So you feel comfortable about placing your wager. Yeah, perhaps be in a way taking over that role of normally a, a guiding hand in terms of a friend or an acquaintance that's getting you familiarized. Perhaps the first bet racing apps kind of trying to do that without the need for another person to be present right because i know for example with my partner when he was placing his first um late pick five wager i was like okay so you go do this and i would always kind of write out the sequence first which numbers are you going to use make sure that they're all in there when you're going into your like, you know everything in a way perhaps first bet can allow you to do that in that kind of simplified manner so yeah, yeah no, I think... 100%, 100%. yeah that, and again like it's a skill right like um, I'm, I'm sure you've got very proficient at it but it's very daunting when you first attempt it um and if anyone that has ever looked at a you know a pp for the first time and you're looking at a past performance sheet it it, it could almost be another language frankly mm -hmm. um so our whole view was when we were designing first bet and and leaving express bet alone was look we we need to accommodate someone with the ethos that they've never ever seen a race before and they really want to heighten their engagement and excitement on a race you know beyond the physical experience which is fantastic in pegasus frankly but onto onto the race itself and getting um some visibility into you know some of the attribution and mechanics in the underlying of what makes a great race great and what makes a great runner you know fabulous frankly um you know, that's what first bet strives to simplify it for you, but allow you to pick what you think would indicatively be important. And that's everything right from the surface to, like I said, the jockey to the trainer, to the performance of the horse in its lifetime or the performance in the horse in its most frequent period for trending um, to weather, all those things. And, and you can, you have now complete control over, well, what do you think would affect this race? You pick them. We give you the statistics based on what you picked. And then you can you can go place your wages. Yeah, and I think that's good because I definitely feel like you don't want to get stuck in some kind of setting that basically goes, well, the horse with the fastest pace figure in the last three, that's this one. So you're always going to end up often 
by algorithms, if you kept them the whole time based on those certain probably standardized factors, you might just end up always being on the favorite. And that is probably something that you don't always want to do, right? As a handicapper, you do want to be able to find value and do other things as well. I was going to say that's maybe, that would have probably been my only knock on, on using first bet, that if you leave it on standardized you know, algorithm, you're probably going to end up with the favorite because they're probably going to say, hey, the horse with the strongest performance in his last three, the most recency with a really hot trainer and jock, most likely going to win. Well, the whole public is on that horse as well. <laughs> so I'm glad you said that. So we we invented um, and we soft launched it earlier in, in 21 very carefully. We introduced the first race index and the first race index was effectively a, a derivative of that, which is if you think of the S&P, S&P or the FT or any index that you see in the financial market, you know, it, it ranks the stocks in that in, index from top to bottom. And we did that for every race of every horse based on 100. And that allowed you to see the favorite, you know, statistical favorite, not just the, the market favorite, and then the statistical long shots versus value. And then the derivative of that index divides the value, the current market price versus statistical value to get you the best value horse in that race which then gets you away from the favorite sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like definitely when people are new to the game, I think they're going to find a long shot much more fun, of course, if they hit uh-huh. like we all do, right? Then yeah. you go and you're, you're even money favorite. I think they probably like the idea of, you know, I, I know, for example, from some friends that they go, oh, well, this horse is six to one. So I, it definitely has a chance. So I'm going to go bet this horse. And that they kind of look at prices like, you know, in a, in a way – indicative of the chances of the horse but wanting to get away from the favorite because they like trying to beat the favorite don't we all i mean it's not a lot of fun just always winning with favorites to your point because yeah, yeah you, you get there but you get there really slowly it's not it's not it's not as exciting as a you know a 20 to 1 that should should have never ever been in the race but somehow got on the inside of the rail or managed to hold its own so um yeah, I, I definitely think to your point, like we give that flexibility. So if you want to go hunt for long shots, um, you know, and actually one of the questions in in the guided access, when you start to say, hey, I care about my stats, you know, the first question we ask you is, do, do, do you want a, a favorite or are you interested in long shots? And we let you pick. Um, yeah, so it can and, guide and you towards it can guide you towards well. yeah, the kind of horses that you like. Yeah. Now, in terms of wagering offers, of course, it's such a huge day coming up this Saturday. Do we have any specials to, you know, promote people uh, getting in on the action? Yeah, we, we absolutely do. So if it's your first time, you know, we're going to give you 10 bucks instantly when you open and fund your account. Um, and we'll give you up to a 10% rebate. I think I think it's your first thousand dollars over a, over a short period of time. So that, you know, if you, if you get you in and get you churning and you start to enjoy it, we'll reward you for it. And then I think the guys introduced a, a $20 cashback um, on all the three Pegasus races um, if your horse doesn't win, but it finishes second or third, um, again, as a consolation, because uh, those, horse, those, those fields this year are very tight and very good. Um, so we expect a lot of action. We're actually hoping the prices will start to get closer as uh, we get closer to the day. I think it's going to be, uh, it's an interesting one. So don't ask me who's going to win because I have a preference, but I, I really don't have any weight behind it. <laughs> well, that's, that's good to hear that you kind of get people going with the $10. How does it work? Like if you, so you sign up, you get $10 and let's say you win. 
are you able to take that money out or do you have to churn it over a little bit before that's available? Yeah, as long as, long as you churn it. So um, if you put 10 bucks in and we give you 10 bucks um, and you bet 20 and you win, you can take that all out. Um, obviously, simple math. So I suspect with a, an 11 card field that day, um, you're definitely uh, you're definitely wager more than you uh, you deposited. So um, I think it's a good offer. I think it, you know we've seen unbelievable signups this year. Um, again, like one of the things that we do is think about the experience immersively. So actually, your tickets to Pegasus you download in your first bet app and you get your tickets to the venue that day. Um, and then we give you all of the various e-commerce e ways to fund your account. Um, so the idea is that, you know, you can do everything from a, a day experience and an online experience within the first bet app. So, um, given that, you know, we, you know, we've had certainly you know, basically sold out of all of our tickets, you know, we're seeing very good download adoption and sign up of the app. Um, so I think first bet is going to have a, a pretty good day that day. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I think I think we all are. So, in terms of for I guess the more experienced wager wager placements, uh, such as you know when you're looking at the early pick four, early pick five, rainbow pick six, yeah. do we have any um, do we have any guaranteed pools? So what is going on there? What kind of sequences will be on offer for those players that are of course interested in uh, getting in on the action? Yeah, so I think we have uh, we have a pick three on the day. We have a Pegasus pick three, which would be you know I think at the nine, the eleventh, and the twelfth races, which are all the Pegasus races. Um, and then I think the rainbow pick six is a guaranteed payout on the Sunday afterwards. Um, and that's again, because we, we always have a very good racing card the day after Pegasus, but, um, you know, a lot of us at that point are somewhat exhausted from the day <laughs> or overindulged, whatever mm -hmm. way you want to call it. Um, so, um, we generally do the mandatory pick six the day after, um, because like that puts a focus on, on the quality of racing the next day. Um, so that's going to be a big one. Um, but on the day, yeah, I think it's a pick three. Have a pick three. Okay, yeah. So people get involved with those three Pegasus World Cup races, which now this year includes the Philly and Mare Turf over Mountain Sixteen for the older ladies. So that's been added. So yeah. can you elaborate a little bit more? You already highlighted it earlier. Bet Mix. It's uh, a different wagering handicapping app and software. And how does it work in terms of providing these handicapping factors and and kind of algorithms that you were discussing earlier? Yeah, so so behind all of First Bet, Express Bet, and BetMix is a huge data warehouse that has all this attribution um, on our horses, right? And you know, in recent years, we we finished a bunch of um, AI work around visual uh, visual recognition of horses. So we can take a camera feed and we can map all the skeletorial movements of a horse from the TV production feed and understand their speed and velocity and impact on the ground. And, you know, how many times they're cropped or whipped. And we have all this data now in this huge data lake. And, um, we use that data to help provide derivative statistical information based on past performance and angles that wagers like to use. And for the most part, uh, the complex, you know, we dumb those down or, or automate them um, in, in first bet. Uh, we give you a little bit more granularity in express bet, but within betmix.com, uh, we give you the ability to, to build up all of the angles and weightings that you care about all this attribution. Um, and we have, it, it's very much think of it as e-trade for horse wagering. Um, it's really a trading interface and it allow you to cover the field, you know, and, and do matrix type wagering and you know, calculate the probabilities for you and the coverages and give you an idea of, 
you know, stake versus probabilistic return against market price. And there's a bunch of different pre-programmed feature sets in there, but really the concept of the tool is to allow you to think of the market as a financial market and cover your spreads and your futures and all those positions that you would do in normal equities or ETFs or et cetera, and trade basically. Um, and I, I have to be careful with it because I think it's a little addictive um, because uh, it, it somewhat takes maybe the passion out a little bit because you're a little bit removed from maybe the animals. It's more about numbers. Um, but if you're a, if you're a very sophisticated, committed wagerer, um, it's really about understanding um, the market and the market price over maybe the fundamentals. So it's kind of the reverse of the, the factoring. It's more about tell me the relevance of what the market thinks these prices are mm-hmm. and allow me to angle around it. Because yeah, you're mentioning trading, but you're still playing the market like you are in the pools when you're at the yeah. track, right? So you're yeah. still, yeah, because I what you were describing made me think, for example, of, of Betfair, that you're directly trading with another person. And hence, you know, you can you can lay a horse as well, like take someone else's bet. But that that's not the case, right? It's more no. about how are the prices changing within the pool and how is sort of the, the market viewing the chances of certain horses winning and can I take advantage of that? A hundred percent. Yeah. You're still in the pools. You're still making normal wages like anybody else. You're just treating the market more on market price um, and directional than you are on, say, fundamentals. So it's more technical trading, less fundamental trading. And, you know, in the last three days, you can see the air that's maybe come out of the stock market. It's that kind of thing where maybe these companies aren't worth what they're supposed to be worth, but the price is the price. Um, and that's how Petmix thinks about horse wagering. So can anyone sign up for BetMix or are there any criteria and how can people learn more about it to really kind of, you know, get to grips with the tools that are available? Yep. So, so same thing. So if you've signed up for FirstBet or you have an ExpressBet account, you instantly have access to the trial version of BetMix, which I think gives you a, a couple of days to play with it. And then it's a, it's a nominal subscription fee. If you, if you like the product, you can buy it, I think, on a daily or weekend basis or you can buy it on a monthly basis. And then it instantly plugs into your account. So you trade through that interface like as opposed to your ExpressBet or FirstBet app. Um, and it's a web-driven tool, so you sit at your computer and, and you're away and you have all the live feeds and you can watch the simulcast through it too. Um, but it's it's available as soon as you get your uh, your first account. Awesome. Well, I encourage everyone to go have a look, especially those that are a little bit more you know, mathematically and technically inclined to want to beat the market and a little bit more sophisticated. So we kind of covered, you know, newbies to the game, but also experienced punters that want to uh, increase their repertoire, so to speak. Uh, We'll move along to a couple of other topics because, of course, first technology, uh, first in terms of the company, Shrana Group created it, is very innovative and very much a forward-thinking entity. How have you guys worked with punters, customers to facilitate a better wagering experience? And what kind of new ideas are we, you know, possible thinking of in terms of innovation in this sphere? Oh, so there's lots. So again, I find it a very exciting time in our industry. Um, So we have things on the roadmap around syndication, um, you know, maybe taking a percentage of your winnings and and dedicating them to like ownership or um, loyalty. We obviously we have a loyalty scheme uh, within our our first ecosystem that allows you to have preferential access to things. 
Um, I will say, you know, Jimmy Vargas, who runs our first experience, very much, you know, curating a combination of both our digital world but our physical world. Um, you know, we have the after party at Pegasus this year, which is, you know, DJ Cassidy doing his past the mic. That's going to be phenomenal. Um, you know, that kicks off straight after the race. So we all get to carry on and enjoy, you know, from the high of the race now into a concert. Um, we've spent, you know, multiple millions renovating our properties so that you get a best in class experience around food and um, F&B and hanging out. Um, so um, it, we've been very thoughtful about the whole experience, both when you first arrive at the property, your introduction to these amazing equine athletes, right? The effort that these equine athletes go through to put on a show for us, you know, your day from just having a great family day out through to your engagement once you leave. And, you know, we have lots of things that are, are kind of coming down the pipeline. We're thinking about augmented experiences, you know, it, it's, and I, and I think of this as, to, to re, if you've never been to a race, but you gamble on horse racing, there's something fundamental that you're missing. I mean, the, the noise of these animals and the effort and the breathing that you hear as they pass you at four, almost 40 miles an hour is, is something that is just unique, frankly. And we're finding ways to capture that inside the digital asset. So if you can't physically attend, maybe you can still experience that. And, and we've gone down roads of thinking about you know, jockey cam or augmented uh, experiences. Um, we're starting to think about like, can we can we track these horses 3D and render a 3D metaverse version of this experience and put you on the horse so you can experience it? Um, we've we've looked into things like uh, the Van Gogh experience. I don't know if you guys have, have seen that or heard of that, which is you know they project his artwork through a 3d yeah, gallery. very immersive art like yeah experience. it's very immersive and and we like the idea of taking you through that journey of a horse from birth to training you know and look even even running the digital companies one of my most favorite things to do is you know i live down here in south florida is is to go to Gulfstream at you know 7 a.m and watch effectively 200 athletes work out you know in the morning and um that alone is is almost as as exciting as a race because the, these animals are, you know, seriously working out and there's a lot of them and you get to see the difference in all of them and how they perform and how they're learning their trade. And I think bringing that touch point to um, the ecosystem that is not just our wagerers, but our customers, I think is very important and transcending that through into the digital verse um, is one of our key goals. See, so now I'm, I'm here going to be waiting for you guys to introduce something like uh, you know how google maps you can place yourself into the street and actually look around so yeah. that and then at the race course live race day you can also see the races i i see it coming <laughs> yeah i mean and again the tech five years ago the tech really wasn't there mm -hmm. but the tech is the tech is there now so i think we're getting very we have obviously have jockey camps and stuff that's pretty pretty standard but yeah i think we're at the point where we might be able to in real time you know with a couple of milliseconds delay put you on the live horse and let you experience what the the, the jockey's experiencing and and again like all credit to a jockey they're 140 120 pounds and they're holding on and controlling you know this amazing athlete that's running at 40 miles an hour um you know and, and 
you, you got to be close to it to experience like how amazing in terms of effort that actually is. And we kind of take it for granted. Um, so I want to make sure we get that in the digital apps. Yeah, well, I'm very intrigued to see, you know, what you guys will be doing in that kind of sphere and in terms of giving people, even if they can't attend, still that feeling of really, really being present. Like we now see, as you highlighted, with gaming, with art um, instructions, with, with a lot of different things that from the safety of your home, of course, especially whilst we're still in the pandemic, to still feel like you're a touch bit more a part of it, especially when you already like horse racing or you're already wagering on it to get that extra experience. Now, in terms of the horse racing business, were you born and raised in it or how did you come across this? Because, of course, it's uh, it's quite niche. I uh, I have an interesting path to, to, to my current career. Um, I always worked for a huge investment bank and I was very much responsible for building their trading technology. Um, so built a lot of trading systems for different, you know, equities and treasury markets and ended up moving that business or that software into Nevada. And I was uh, part of the team that built the very first sports book uh, gambling app on the App Store way back in 2009 um before you know it became big and then i left gambling for a little while and then um through a very good friend of mine that now runs our racing department mr aiden butler i was introduced to our, our chair lady uh, belinda stronach and she presented a problem to me that i just couldn't resist walking away from which was look paul we have this amazing industry we have some of the greatest tech that can that controls this industry and it hasn't really been advanced in a couple of decades and we think we're missing out on so much opportunity. Can you come help us build a world-class experience? And can you help us improve the safety of our sport? And can you help us get our broadcast and our quality of representation up so that people that maybe haven't really seen racing understand racing in its true light and understand like the passion and the family ecosystem around it? And um yeah, like that's what I've been doing for the last three years. And it's, it's a, we've got a lot of tech debt to catch up on, but we've made huge, unbelievable strides in the last three years. And um, I'm getting very excited to where we are because, you know, we've got all the table stake stuff now. We, we, now it's the fun stuff. And I, I think you're going to see an evolution in our technology stack, you know, and our competitors, frankly, in the next couple of years. Sport wagering in iCasino being a major catalyst to that, mm -hmm. which is all good for us, I think. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be fun. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of it. It's a lot of product, and it's very it's it's very immersive if you get it right. So, very thrilled to be in it. Oh, we're looking forward to seeing you know what will be further coming because you were mentioning uh, sports wagering driving forth uh, people, you know, creating new apps or new ways to to. Uh, bet on sports to experience sports and i think you can see it you know everywhere across the world that you know people expect things to be right there in the palm of their hand but the best possible experience so indeed, like you said laying the groundwork for that and then moving forward with that is very very exciting and i'm hoping that you guys will continue it's definitely what we need here in the sport of racing like you highlighted i think there were you know there are actually still practices that are a little bit outdated um, so the more innovation I feel, the more coming, you know, getting close to what other industries are doing as well, how sports betting is facilitated across the globe is certainly something that I'm very happy that Stronic is doing, because like you said, it was long overdue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I think 
a very successful market and I, I do appreciate the don't change it, don't touch it if it's not broken. Um, I think we have a great core, but I think the world and just the, the customer, frankly, has evolved around us. And, um, you know, we the industry, I think, was always you know, baked on its stable view that we're okay, this is good, it's doing okay, it's, it doesn't grow, it doesn't shrink, it's pretty stable. But I think as younger generations follow me, um, we need to give them a product that, that fits their consumption. And I think that's why we, as the first group now, you know, very much around evolving the sport for the better and uh, not being scared to try new things. You know, and look, some will work, some clearly might not. And if they don't, we'll pivot and evolve and we'll just keep moving forward, which is, to your point, I think, what the sport desperately needs. You know, thank you so much, Paul, for joining me here today and just outlining a little bit of what you've guys been doing, what you are working on, how you ended up with the Stronic mm -hmm. Group. And of course, I wish you good luck for this weekend and of course, all the months to come whilst continuing to enhance this experience, continuing to develop all these digital assets and allowing hence perhaps, you know, other players, younger players to also come in and enjoy the Sport of Kings. Perfect. Thank you, Naomi. Always a pleasure. Next up, we have a pair of guests, Greg Harbour and Raymond Daniels, who founded Living the Dream Racing and Stables and also together head up the Ed Brown Society. Gentlemen, so glad to have you. Um, where are you both calling in from? Uh, glad to be here. Uh, this is Greg and uh, I'm in Lexington. And uh, this is Ray. I'm in Lexington, Kentucky as well. All right, so you're both down in Lexington, Kentucky. I, I was just saying before um, to Greg how lovely I found my time there, albeit slightly bit cold. <laughs> how is the weather holding up there at present? Uh, slightly cold uh, still. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm assuming you both might be waking your, making your way up to Florida soon, though. Yes, we're both going to depart on uh, Thursday, and we're very excited to... Uh, come down for the Pegasus Cup and have a great weekend of racing. I'm very much looking forward to it as well. Let's start off by discussing the Ed Brown Society. I know that Greg is the chairman, uh, Ray is, is the president. Tell me a little bit about the society and how the idea came about before we kind of go into what it's currently doing in conjunction with FIRST. Well, the Ed Brown Society really started as an idea um, based on a group of um, investors in our horse racing syndicate called Living the Dream Stables. Um, uh, our group has maintained all along that um, we have grown and we have been successful uh, because we enjoy the experiences at the track. And more importantly, we're committed to bringing African-American owners uh, and professionals into the industry. So having said that and having brought uh, new horse owners and syndicate owners into the industry, it was only logical that we kind of got together and figured out how to form a nonprofit to bring interns and potentially long-term uh, job opportunities uh, into the industry that focused on bringing African-Americans and minorities or people of color uh, into the industry directly. And Ray, you mentioned living the dream, racing and stables. Perhaps we can get a little bit introduction on how that partnership came about as well. And I'm assuming Greg would have more to say about that too. Yeah, great question. Uh, we, we sort of formed living the dream uh, stables about four years ago. 
I'm very blessed that I work in the business full time as a bloodstock agent. I've been able to travel uh, uh, the world internationally and be able to see racing uh, uh, both domestically and abroad. Uh, but being a third generation horseman, I grew up knowing the uh, noted history that African-Americans have contributed to horse racing. And uh, through the years, you don't necessarily see that uh, history and representation in current times. Uh, so that was something that I was very passionate about to bring more minorities into the business, not only from an employment standpoint, but from an ownership standpoint. Uh, so four years ago, I had the pleasure of attending the races with Ray Daniels and a few other people. And we sort of formulated a concept to start a uh, small syndicate at that time. And that was really the birth and the, and the brainchild of LTD. Uh, since then, uh, we're now on our sixth syndicate. Uh, we most recently just uh, closed and started uh, our first all-women's African-American syndicate. So we're very excited about that. And the demand continues to rise uh, to continue and start up new syndicates uh, in the minority community. Tell me about, okay, which racetrack, which race did you guys go to when you started? I want to hear the whole story of saying, hey, we're going to create this. And of course, the fact that you're now in your sixth as well as an old women's syndicate is, is amazing. So our, being based out of Lexington, our home track is uh, Keeneland. Uh, so we were at Keeneland. I think it was uh, in, in, in the spring of April. And uh, we normally host a couple groups out uh, every meet, whether it be the fall or the spring meet. Uh, but this time it was a little bit different as, you know, the, the conversation didn't necessarily center around who do you like to uh, make a wager, uh, but how do we get involved in this uh, great sport from an ownership standpoint? And that's when you guys came up with possibly, you know, joining forces and providing that opportunity to like-minded individuals. Now, could you uh, perhaps both tell me a little bit about some of the horses throughout the different syndications that have, you know, been extra special to you guys? I think our first horse, uh, we really hit it out out of the park with, uh, you know, obviously when you start out, you don't necessarily have the budget uh, that you hope to have. So we started out with a very modest budget. Uh, we started off claiming our first horse uh, for $16,000 and her name was Heavenly Hill. And she was an immediate success for us. Uh, uh, won her second race for us. First time out, she finished uh, second by a nose. Uh, we were able to earn some significant purse money in about a three month stretch. And we were ultimately able to get her graded stakes placed, ended up selling her at public auction at Phase at Tipton uh, for a nice, sizable profit, all within about a four-month uh, time span. Uh, so obviously, she was our first horse, and we really hit it off uh, with her. Uh, since then, uh, Ray and I have been associated with a horse by the name of Necker Island, who uh, took us on a wonderful derby to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, our current big horse, if you would call her that, is a filly by the name of Miss Bigley. Uh, she'll be running in the uh, grade three Bayacoa coming up next. We own her in partnership uh, with Agave Racing. Uh, but she's a multiple graded stakes uh, filly. She's a, a listed winner. Uh, and then we have another horse by the name of Fascination, a very nice bred daughter of Into Mischief uh, that has shown a great amount of potential. And I think the future is very bright for her. And then we have, uh, you know, several uh, hard knocking claimers in our stables that continue to uh, win races and pick up checks. Nothing wrong with the hard knocking claims, especially, no. you know, when they keep on running and they keep on giving you that wonderful winner's kind of experience, right? That Absolutely. I know that winning graded stakes races or going to the big races like the Kentucky Derby, of course, you know, that means everything. But perhaps the fact that you guys had success on like a variety of levels makes it extra fun for everyone involved. 
anytime you have a win, uh, whether it's a very low level claim or, or the highest caliber being a great one race, it's just amazing to experience that thrill and see the excitement that it brings to uh, the partners and uh, the racing fans. So anytime you can get a win, it's just a wonderful experience. All right. And what it, what it does for us, namely, we've been able to take a large group of people uh, to just about every major racing event over the last calendar year. Uh, it has really peaked uh, the interest level of our syndicate owners and other folks across the country. So we have been, uh, of course, to the Derby, been to Preakness, we've been to Saratoga, we've been to the Breeders, and now taking a group of 30 people to the Pegasus. So it is really, uh, it's been an experience just as much of, uh, of a ride as far as an owner. It's been a real experience to see different parts of the country, different tracks, uh, and to, uh, and it really draws some real connections and bonds. And uh, that's what's made this uh, EBS partnership so strong is that all of our syndicate members are very supportive of what we're doing. I was about to ask, how has it been, how has the vibe been amongst the syndicate members as well as, you know, what it's meant for them and perhaps outside interests as well? How is this initiative or both, you know, the Ed Brown Society, what you're trying to do as well as Living the Dream, Racing and Stables, how has it been received? Well, I'll speak to our syndicate members. They're very supportive because the first question they always ask is, when we go to the different tracks is, you know, where are the, uh, where are the minorities represented in the different areas of the track? Uh, and so our mission of course, is not only to bring, you know, internships and build relationships and knock down barriers, uh, for prospective, uh, students, but it's to, is to give the exposure and the access to what I would call really high level positions, mid-level positions at racetracks, uh, from gaming, uh, to marketing, to engineering, legal services, and so on and so forth. So that, that corresponds with the ownership model of a lot of our syndicate members. They want to see students be successful. They want to see us put them in positions of strength. And so we were able to really reach out and draw this relationship with Stronic uh, that is, uh, is going to be a strong, long-lasting relationship uh, based on you know breaking down barriers and, and giving students paid internships and, and, and housing and giving them exposure and opportunities with mid-level management and not just putting them in uh, traditional intern uh, type positions, but, you know, showing them real exposures and access to the people uh, at tracks and beyond that really uh, make things happen. Yeah. And I was, as you were talking, I was thinking as well as about to get people in those higher up positions to have that minority representation. Of course, the best way to probably get them there is to help them gain that experience. And that's indeed where the partnership between first and the Ed Brown Society comes in. When will you be offering the, you know, the, when will the first interns start? How has the uptake been so far? Uh, the first intakes are due to graduate in May. And upon the completion of graduation, uh, they will st- start with, uh, with first. Uh, and, and, you know, we're beginning to put the word out to different universities. Uh, and, and the demand uh, for these placements has been very strong. So we're very optimistic. Uh, going into the future that we will probably have more demand for this than we have slots. So that's a good problem to have. Absolutely. So what, what are the requirements if people are interested in, in joining or in, in applying? Uh, well, we're obviously looking for a uh, college graduate, uh, someone that has an understanding uh, of the equine business, not necessarily uh, hands-on, but just understands racing and has an interest in that. And, you know, uh, I'm very fortunate that I've been able to work hands-on with horses as well as be behind the scenes of, of racing. So I understand the different 
components that are involved. Uh, but a lot of people think if you want to be involved in racing that you have to work uh, directly hands-on with the horse. And as, as Ray had mentioned, uh, there's so many components to the business, whether it be marketing, IT, video production, legal, finance. Uh, and, you know, we, we want to just bring awareness and exposure to these students that you can be involved in this industry, not necessarily hands-on, but with a direct passion that you already have, uh, even if it's not directly involved with the horse per se, uh, you can still be involved in this wonderful sport. Well, you, you both can't see, but I'm sitting here nodding because I think a lot of people, and I didn't grow up in a racing background, you don't know that there's actually so much more to perhaps the jobs that you would see, you know, perhaps if you look past training or, <laughs> you know, exercise riding, that there's actually so much more that goes on within the industry itself in terms of marketing, media and communication, as well as the corporate side of things. So I think that's a wonderful Absolutely. thing that you guys are doing to right. make sure that people realize you know, the opportunities that exist and also that perhaps some people who might think that this is not for me or I don't see any other role models, that you guys can provide them with the opportunity as well as perhaps being the role models yourself, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the uh, game plan and that's that's what's being formulated and we look to uh, continue that uh, onward. And about living the dream racing in Thables, if people want to join uh, with your next syndicate, you were mentioning you have an all-female syndicate that yes, just closed. We're very, we're very, we're very excited about that. We closed that uh, about a month and a half ago, and actually had their first horse that uh, ran, ran in an allowance race, and uh, finished third in a very tough field in Oakland Park. And I think that horse is going to run in about uh, another three weeks, and we'll stretch him out in distance. I think he's going to be very tough next time out. But uh, very excited about the uh, female syndicate that was launched. Yeah. Yeah. I think, Naomi, the thing for us is uh, we're still experiencing a lot of firsts. We were very, as, as uh, Greg mentioned, on that day that the uh, female syndicate horse race, we had uh, Miss Bigley race the same day. So that's a first for us to actually have two horses racing like that on the same day, one of the horses in a stakes race. Uh, so, you know, all, all, all creating new milestones. And, I, you know, I just, you know, since we're on your podcast, I hate to say it, but, I, you know, people want to look into us and figure out who we are. They could go to livingthedreamstables.com or they go to edbrownsociety.com uh, and they can touch base with us. No, I'm very glad that you mentioned it because I was going to ask how can people get in touch? And you guys are saying you're going to go to the races. Perhaps if some people are at the races, is there any spot that you guys are going to hang out at if they want to come up to you and ask some questions? Uh, we'll be based out of the Tim Palms room, but we're going to be traveling with a large group. I think Ray mentioned about 30 plus. I would imagine we'll be around the paddock on the rail. We are true race trackers at heart. Uh, so we'll be spread out all over the place. Awesome. That sounds so good. Now, we've talked about all the positive experience and all the first. Uh, have there been any challenges on the way as well? Uh, absolutely. So when you when you experience first, you experience first on the good and bad, as you just said, Naomi. So we mm -hmm. have had challenges like any other you know organization or any new syndicate starting out. Uh, and so some of those challenges are, of course, with expectations. Some of those challenges are with injury to uh, some of our horses and so on yeah. and so forth. So we, we've experienced that. We've had some growing you know, pains with trainers. And um, and so that's all part of the process. Uh, that's all. It's very limited bad with uh, a lot of good mixed in. Here's to hoping that you guys have many more highs. And thank you so much for joining me here today. Of course, I wish you guys the best of luck. I think it's an amazing initiative. I think the, the future of horse racing amongst other things, lies with syndication and bringing new people in. And that's exactly what you guys are doing, as well as giving you know opportunities for those that want to get professionally involved as well. 
Yeah, and if I could mention, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention them. I, mean, I want to give a big shout out to First and Stronic uh, for taking not only this partnership seriously, for, for, but for being our first large partner in the industry. Uh, I can't thank Belinda and Aiden enough uh, for their commitment and for their vision. Uh, and I'm just looking forward to what is going to be a great partnership. Thank you so much to Greg and Raymond. Really enjoyed hearing their story, their efforts so far, as well as their success. Hopefully there's plenty more of those top-level or hard-knocking thoroughbreds. Last but not least, Jimmy Vargas. Jimmy, happy to have you uh, on the show today because we are looking towards you to keep us uh, up to date with everything that is going on leading up to Pegasus World Cup Day. And of course, uh, on the day, first things first, how are you doing? I'm surprisingly doing well, Naomi. Thanks for having me on. Um, you know, getting ready. It's down to, I guess how we say in our world, we're, we're, we're approaching that finish line. Um, lots going on, but all, you know, very exciting uh, partnerships and activations. And there's a lot of, you know, great ancillary programming that's ha happening in and around you know, this week and leading into Pegasus. So just, you know, really fun stuff. And I think it's just, you know, great to sort of take Pegasus, you know, on and off the track, really, you know, and that's sort of what's what the events become here in South Florida. Well, in the racing terms, we would say you're you're about at the quarter pole, right? Finish line in sight, but you still you still got a bit to go. I still got a bit to go. And you know what, based on, you know, Still having plenty to do. I like to, you know, unlike they say in the race, and I like to slow this thing down a little bit, you know, really take pull back on the reins here and see if I can, I can hold back these days and and, and slow down the the minutes and the seconds because uh, we can definitely use the time to, you know, just continue to to create what's going to be an amazing race day filled with, you know, obviously the best um, thoroughbred racing on the tracks, but also you know a great day filled with. Tremendous entertainment, great experiences, amazing culinary, the best in fashion, and, you know, just so much more that always, you know, isn't around Pegasus on that special day. I mean, so much to, to look forward to. Perhaps uh, let's start with, you know, outlining what will currently be going on over the next few days before race day, as well as mentioning what has already taken place. What will be some of the highlights of that? Well, let's see. We have a great uh, kickoff event for Pegasus uh, weekend uh, in Overtown, uh, where we've worked with a group um, that has curated and produced an amazing uh, art exhibit called Too Black, Too Fast. It really tells the story of the first athlete, the first black athlete, um, and the contributions of uh, African-Americans in the sport of thoroughbred horse racing. There's some amazing stories there. Um, that exhibit lives now at the Ward House, the historic Ward Ruman House in Overtown, which is, um, you know, the Harlem of the South, we call it down here. It's this, you know, amazing neighborhood with, with lots of history, great culture, you know, great entertainment. And it's going through like a very cool renaissance right now. Um, as part of that sort of exhibit and as part of a celebration around uh, you know, that day we're also hosting a very cool um, event over at the Red Rooster, Marcus Samuelson's Med Red Rooster, also in Overtown with some, you know, special performances. Uh, we have a group called Darren Atwater and the Soulful Symphony, which is a 20-piece uh, 
orchestra of mostly black and Latino performers um, who will be doing a very cool, you know, um, forward uh, approach and, 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 and creative sort of play with the amazing D nice, who is a great friend of, of first, who's a great friend of Pegasus and Preakness. And, you know, he's had a tremendous year um, just playing, you know, every and any major, you know, key event from the Super Bowl, um, you know, to the Emmys uh, and beyond. And so they've created this very special mashup performance of, you know, DJ meets symphony. And it's just going to be a great night of like dancing, great music, great food at the Red Rooster. That sounds incredible. When you said 20 piece orchestra that will be, you know, in conjunction with a DJ, I, I have not attended anything like that before. That sounds incredible. We like to change things up here, you know, Naomi. <laughs> we like Clearly. To, we, we, we've, we've made it a mission here at first to one-up ourselves every year and see what can we do this year um, that's different. And I think this was, you know, something that's very special uh, to us from, you know, uh, the support of Too Black, Too Fast, from really telling that story from really bringing to light, you know, an amazing artist and Michael McBride, who's the creator of the exhibit and, you know, doing it in a way that's really about, you know, the modernization of the sport, but looking back to and and really playing honor and homage to the history, but in a fun and creative and entertaining way, because, I mean, that's really what we're, you know, mostly trying to accomplish is to modernize and sort of change things up and what, and, and what a race day experience can be both at the races and off the races um, or off the track, I should say, uh, in order to really sort of, you know, again, widen our audience and, and, and really speak to, um, you know, some new consumers and, and celebrate our, our avids as well. So if people wanted to go and see the exhibit, it's open daily, right? It's open daily, Wednesday through Sunday, 12 to 6 p.m. at the historic Ward Rooming House in Overtown. Awesome. It's definitely worth checking that out. What what else is going on in the lead up to the Pegasus? Because I know that you guys aren't just going to finish up with that one. I'm pretty sure there's some other cool events too. Well, you know, we have some uh, some great on-site events. You know, we're doing a very cool gift and suite for, you know, our stakeholders, our horsemen, the owners. It's a very sort of like, you know, just fun day of, of, you know, shopping, we call it, um, and just kind of giving them that, that cool swag that gets them sort of ready for Pegasus. Um, and then it's, you know, all eyes on Saturday because, you know, this, this year is really all about first. There's some amazing hospitality partnerships. There's some amazing entertainment. Um, you know, there's a new venue we're opening trackside. Um, you know, there's on the culinary side, some just, you know, tasty tasty bites we have coming and we're just excited about like you know this what i like to call this sort of super group of of south florida and beyond uh entertainment um curators and just like the best of the best on 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 helping to drive our vision forward of creating just you know the best day at the races yeah because i know that you're debuting a new club called the carousel club as well i actually walked around today and saw you know they're it looks amazing already. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we wanted to create this very cool open air gathering space, you know, right on that final stretch. We wanted to, again, have some fun with it, pay homage to the past, 
we took this really beautiful antique carousel that we had in storage here at Gulfstream Park and just refurbished it and recreated it into this amazing center island bar that's just like the anchor of the venue. It's the ultimate Instagram moment, I would say. Um, there's these, there, it's filled with amazing lush greenery, the most beautiful landscape, gardens. There's three amazing bars, including the carousel. There's fun trackside games. There's obviously on-site wagering. There's going to be, um, you know, always really great entertainment, live music, DJs. And, and that's just, you know, part of our mission to, you know, again, drive and uh, create some excitement at the track, you know, to really add to what Gulfstream Park is as, as a historic and iconic racetrack. We want to just, you know, amplify what happens here on a day to day by bringing, you know, the Carousel Club to life. And, and we're just excited on, on where it's going and what better day to kick it off and to give a sneak peek to, to the world out there than on Pegasus. And I do believe you also have a, a couple of quite exciting artists lined up to play out there. Am I correct in saying it was called Pass the Mic, meaning there's going to be a fair few talented artists uh, sharing the stage? Yeah. Yeah, it's Ka- so DJ Cassidy, um, during the the sort of stay-at-home orders and and everyone in quarantine, Cassidy being the, you know, the trendsetter and the groundbreaker that he is as a DJ, developed a concept called Pass the Mic, where essentially, you know, he created this at-home uh, sort of concert for the world to see where he passed the mic from, from his home to the next and then to the next. And, you know, he's had over... 200 iconic artists perform on Pass the Mic through his streaming service. Um, he's he's produced it and showcased it during, you know, the Soul Train Music After Party, the BET Awards. But it's always been the online uh, streaming experience, and it's amazing. But this this time, for the first time, we're taking Pass the Mic and producing the live experience with them. And you know, the set we've created with Cassidy is it's it's beautiful it's as you know we've re, we've brought you know some very cool artists uh homes into the stage and you know just imagine you know if your your television came to life um and these before performers popped out of the screens and you know just put on a great show cassidy will you know be the the orchestrator of the music and we have some amazing performances by little kim ja rule mace and uh, we have a, a few sort of surprise guest performances up our sleeves that, you know, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. So I'm going to have to hold that. I'm going to have to hold back. So on clearly that. I was going to go, OK, who is on your guest list? Because I'm assuming some of your celebrity guests are going to just jump up on stage and they're yeah. going to be your added past the mic performance. Am I correct in saying that? So we need a guest list. How about that? that? You're, you're, you're <laughs> correct in saying that. You're correct in saying that. Um Let's let me hold back on the guest list just to say we definitely have some some tricks up our sleeves. And like I said, you know, uh, it's going to be in, in, in the tradition of past the mic, uh, the online version where, you know, we've had everyone or I'm sorry, Cassidy's had everyone, you know, from, you know, Patti LaBelle to Daryl Hall, you know, down to every artist you can think of. Um, and it's, it's a really, really special performance. And to add to the excitement, we have some great partnerships this year 
We're working with the guys uh, at the 11 nightclub here in Miami. They're bringing and sort of really overtaking our, our VIP uh, experience inside the Carousel Club. Um, we have some very tasty trackside culinary um, bites with our friends at Delilah and the Hwood Group who have, you know, the coolest supper club in Vegas and L.A., and are soon making their way to Miami and what, again, better way to debut what's to come in, in South Florida with, with an activation and a pop-up at the Carousel Club at Pegasus. Um, in our Flamingo Room, you know, for the first time ever, we partnered with the Faina Hotel, who has the coolest um, uh, Nouveau Cabaret show at their Faina Live um, auditorium at the hotel. But for the first time ever, they're taking the show, you know, out of the out of the theater on the road and straight over to Gulfstream Park in Pegasus and they've produced and conceptualized some very cool you know performances that are going to be you know spread out throughout the day uh, in between races in the Flamingo room we'll also have Delilah in that room and um, you know what what uh, what better way to celebrate um, you know Pegasus than with you know these most amazing performers that you know just add to what you know the fun on the track side is so you were naming up some of the the food the culinary aspect i have to add one because for everyone that's ever gone to saratoga most people will know salevo like the absolute go-to now restaurant that everyone wants to be it's a cmb scene at it's honestly the food is fantastic and i saw that they only just announced that they're doing a pop-up as well in 10 palms Yes, they are. They're doing a unique, one-of-a-kind menu and experience for our horsemen. We've created this very cool horseman's lounge in Ten Palms with Salevo. It's it's the most amazing menu. I got a chance to, you know, selfishly taste it uh, recently, and wow, I was blown away. I haven't experienced Saratoga, but let me tell you what they brought to Gulfstream Park is, you know, second to none, and. Um, we also have, you know, a very cool cigar lounge that we're, you know, conceptualizing and producing with our partners at Davidoff Cigars um, in the Horseman's Lounge. We're pouring, you know, our pink jockey Pegasus signature cocktails with Tito's vodka. And, you know, we're hoping to get everybody like, you know, in that right mood and hopefully their horse, you know, gets to take home that winning trophy. And and what what better way to, to end Pegasus with a win and and to get to take home that beautiful Baccarat Crystal Trophy, who's you know our official trophy partner here at Pegasus. I saw them already today at the draw. They are indeed stunning. Now, unfortunately for most of us, completely out of reach, but we can admire them from afar. And like you said, lucky owners who will take home those trophies. Of course, Pegasus World Cup, Pegasus World Cup turf. It's gonna be it's gonna be quite the race, Jimmy. I feel like we've covered we've covered all bases. We definitely are all looking forward to the entertainment the food the party that is the pegasus world cup me especially i've uh, followed the pegasus world cup from afar but haven't been able to attend myself yet so very very exciting and uh, you know i hope it lives up to the hype you, you, you know i'm trusting you here you're in good hands i wouldn't let you down knowing that this is your first time we're gonna we're gonna have to kind of stay overtime tonight too, and just we make sure we add those extra <laughs> finishing touches. We're gonna call them the Naomi finishing touches. 
Okay. I mean, I did see everyone working, you know, on, on all the beautiful installations and the rooms and, and they were all working very hard. So I'm not sure they need to stay overnight even further, but I am very, very excited nonetheless, because the, the matchup on track is going to be unreal between two Breeders' Cup champions, but then complemented by everything that you've mentioned in terms of entertainment as well, the food offerings. Uh, I think it's going to be quite a, a special renewal this year. Yeah, we're excited. We're very excited this year. I mean, obviously, uh, we had a a, uh, a socially distant Pegasus last year due to the the pandemic, but we're excited to welcome back all fans. And um, like you said, I mean, a day packed with amazing races uh, and what culminates in, in what, like you mentioned, what's what's an amazing sort of uh, face-off between these former Breeders' Cup champions you know, couple that with great food, great entertainment, great live performances, a dazzling red carpet, and um, and you this year. What, what more can you ask for? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Thanks, Naomi. Thank you so much to everyone who very graciously gave me a little bit of their time to discuss everything that goes on in front of the scenes, behind the scenes, at the Pegasus World Cup in the lead up. Now we still have a few more days to go. I'm gonna be spending a fair bit of my time handicapping. So look out for my selections on Twitter. I'll also be on the simulcast with the top Gulfstream Park team, Acacia, Ron, Ashley, Brian. This is gonna be a wonderful renewal. I can't wait. I hope you all walk away with a winner as well.